Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. We are continuing in in our sermon series, Unmasked, where we are exploring the masks that Christians wear that disguise and hide the Holy Spirit and our love from our neighbors. We, our kind of main verse is from John 13, where, P, where Jesus tells Peter and the other disciples, uh, the world will know you are my disciples by your love. And more often than not, Christians really aren't known for their love. And so we're kind of, we're spending this time exploring how we sometimes get it twisted and how sometimes we mess up and how sometimes we hide our love for the world behind other things. So we've talked about, uh, we hide our love for the world behind our judgment, behind our hypocrisy, behind our political parties. We tend to hide behind these things and they don't actually help us love our neighbors very well. And we've been kind of unpacking those things, taking those things off and encouraging one another to love our neighbors and to do that well. And uh, you know, Christians are funny. We're, we're a funny group of people. And uh, because sometimes Christians and churches can be a little bit behind when it comes to culture kinds of things, right? Like it takes Christians a long time to incorporate some culture things into our world, right? It was decades after rock and roll was introduced that uh, some of the rock instrumentation found its way into the church through contemporary Christian music, right? It takes a long time for us to, uh, to catch up, if you will, with the culture on some of those cultural things. And so sometimes Christians like some things that are a little bit corny, a little bit strange, a little bit funny. And one of the things that I absolutely love that we do um, that I'm, I'm equally embarrassed and delighted by it, is uh, those signs that are outside of some churches. And there are these signs that have like all the letters, right? And they can change the letters to, to different things. I love these signs and I hate these signs. Um, where we live, we live in Dixon. There's actually a church just around the block from us that has one of these signs. And oftentimes they'll have, uh, some, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's embarrassing. And I'm not going to tell you what church it is because that it would be unfair to tease uh, our brothers and sisters that way. But I'll just, you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know these signs and sometimes they put jokes on them. Um, and so this week as I was thinking about this passage, uh, for some in, in my head, and I started thinking about them. And so I want to show you some of my favorite of these signs that we see. This one, I know it might be a little bit hard to read, so I'll read it for you. This is uh, from a Presbyterian church. It says, have trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come hear one. <laughs> Love that. Here's another one. This is from a Methodist church. It says, first congregational meth church. That's just embarrassing. When I was uh, in my pre, before I became a Lutheran or, or discovered that I was Lutheran, I was part of a denomination called Free Methodism. 
And when I was in junior high and high school, our church had this big building project where we were building a youth and children's wing. And the youth were going to be downstairs in the basement, of course. And, uh, and so we actually had, we had a poll of the youth, of our youth group. And there was quite a few of us there, several dozen. And we got to, to choose what we wanted to call our youth group. And we had a write-in movement where we all wanted it to be the free meth lab. And obviously they did not choose that, but uh, that's another embarrassing thing that a church sign had. Here's another one. God loves you more than Kanye loves Kanye. (laughs) I love that. Um, In case you don't know, Kanye West announced that he's running for president, which he is not the president we need, but he's certainly the president we deserve. But this is fantastic. I'm also proud this is a Lutheran church was this clever. And sometimes these signs can be really funny, right, like this. They can be embarrassing like the one before, um, but sometimes they can get a little bit uh, mean. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> oh, man. I, this is why I'm glad we don't have one of these signs out in front of our church, because you guys might poke fun at Pastor Ben and I. And sometimes they can just get downright nasty. Surfers, skateboarders, musicians, artists, vegetarians, occupiers, activists, addicts, and fornicators are all going to hell. Repent now. What does surfers ever do to deserve that, right? Musicians, right? That's pretty intense, and sometimes they get even more personal. If you don't love God, go to hell. Sometimes these signs can be kind of fun. Sometimes they can be kind of embarrassing. Sometimes they can be downright mean. Um, Many of you may have heard this, especially if you did not grow up in the church or if you had some time away from the church and then you came back to faith. I know that I've heard this a lot since I've become a pastor the last several years. People will sometimes say, you know, I, I like Jesus. I'm down with what Jesus has to say. I like what he's about. I just can't stand Christians. I've heard that a lot. Maybe you've heard a similar sentiment. I like Jesus. I like what he teaches. I like how he lived his life. I like how gracious he was, but I just cannot stand Christians. This is the reality that we live in. Oftentimes, we are the biggest stumbling block for someone knowing Jesus and interacting with Jesus. And honestly, it is simply by grace that God continues to love us and forgive us despite Um, the fact that we continue to get in the way. There's another group of people from the Gospels that are actually quite similar to Christians today. And we may not realize it uh, when we read through the Gospels because they kind of get a bad rap. They're called the Pharisees. And I know that that's familiar to you if you, you know, even non-Christians know that, that term and maybe even know uh, some of the stories that we hear in the Gospels. But generally, we see the Pharisees as the bad guys in the Gospels because they got into lots of disputes with Jesus. Uh, but I think that it's important for us to realize that for the most part and to most Jews of that time, the Pharisees were actually the good guys. I think that if we lived during that time, we might like the Pharisees because the Pharisees, they were really, really serious about their faith and they wanted others to be serious about their faith. And so they they taught ways to practically follow God, to practically follow Yahweh, which is really great. That's actually what 
Pastor Ben and I and our life group leaders and others do, right? We try to show people how we can follow God closer. They were really serious about uh, evangelism and spreading the name of God to all people, which we're all about that, right? And also they wanted to make faith uh, accessible to the everyman. They wanted to take it away uh, out of the hands of the scribes, out of the hands of the elite, and give it to the normal working class people, which is awesome, right? We're all about that. So really the Pharisees were the good guys. I would like the Pharisees if I was around at that time, right? So I want you to have that in mind that the Pharisees are the good guys when we enter into this teaching because really, lots of times, Christians are a lot like these Pharisees, right? We want people to follow God. We want people to be serious about their faith and we want everyone to have a chance to follow God. And this is what Jesus says here in this teaching. This is, he's right in the middle of a conflict with uh, the religious elites, the, the scribes, and also these Pharisees. And this is what we read here in this passage. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do. So immediately Jesus begins, and he actually gives a positive thing. The Pharisees and the scribes, the people who have read the scriptures and teach the scriptures, he says, that's a good thing. They sit in a place of authority, so you should, you ought to listen to them. But do not do what they do. And then he just enters into this scathing litany of things that he thinks that they're doing wrong. And so we're going to punch through these. I know this is a lot for each slide, but there's kind of major themes. So that's why there's so much here. For they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They, they give these teachings that are really hard to follow, right? That's what Jesus is saying. They tie up these heavy burdens and they lay all these teachings heavily upon the people who are listening to them. And these teachings are so hard to follow that nobody can follow them. And the Pharisees themselves aren't really even interested in lightening the load. He says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they, they, make, they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes Long. A couple weeks ago, we talked about hypocrisy, right? And this is what Jesus says hypocrisy is. Doing deeds, good things, just to be seen by others. That's what hypocrisy is. And then Jesus gives this example for they make the, their phylacteries, and how about that word, right? Their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And what this uh, is, in some Jewish circles even today, you might see this, uh, where they would wear this like uh, stole type thing. If you ever come to our... Um, traditional worship service, we'll have our alb, our robe, and we have a stole over our robe. They'll have a stole or a poncho kind of thing that has fringes that kind of hang down. And the idea was what the Pharisees would do sometimes is that they would use the fringes for prayer. And so the longer their fringes were, the more they prayed was kind of the idea. And so they wanted their fringes to be long in the phylacteries. Um, I don't know why that word is there. That's, I don't know how that got into our English Bibles, but essentially that talks about they would wrap their hands and their heads with the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
Uh, they would take that and they would, they would put it in a little box and put it on their foreheads and they would write it on these like straps and they would wrap it around their hands and those straps were really big. That's what they're saying here. Their phylacteries would be broad, th- those straps that they would use to pray. And so he says that these Pharisees, they like to be seen by others. They're hypocrites. And even above there, that they tie up heavy burdens. We talked a few weeks ago how, um, how we hide behind our judgment and being judgmental, right? We actually lay heavy things onto others unfairly in order to make, make a distinction between others and us. That's kind of that judgmental attitude that we have. And also they're hypocrites. He continues on. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. They like power. They like all the, all the good things, all the honor that comes along with being a teacher, that comes along with being the teacher of the law. And maybe some of you have had pastors or church leaders who have acted this way, right? Where they like the place of honor. They like being the honored guest when they come into uh, a dinner party or come into the room. That's kind of what he's saying here. They like to have power. They like to be friends with the people who are in power. They like to have, unlike Garth Brooks, they like to have friends in high places, right? Instead of friends in low places. No, you guys get that joke? No? I can't tell if you guys are smiling or what behind the masks. So I'm trying, and I can't tell if they're landing or not. So, uh, but they, have, they like to have friends in high places, right? They like to be buddy-buddy with those who have power. They like the place of honor. And in many ways, this really describes Christians today. We like to tie up heavy burdens and we like to, to uh, expect people to behave the way that we would behave, even though they don't have the same kind of moral compass or the same kind of moral values that we do. Or we like to um, do things just to be seen by others. We like to have the show of piety and the show of religion, but sometimes we kind of fake it, right, just to make sure that we look good. And we also like to have the place of honor. We like to get close to the, the right kinds of politicians. We like to put the right kind of people into power that we think will benefit us. We kind of do this stuff. And Jesus is saying these are the kinds of things that, that are damaging. He's saying these are the kinds of actions that are actually hurtful. And he encourages his listeners and his disciples not to do those kinds of things. And then he continues on. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. So he says... Pharisee, Sadducee, scribe, teacher of the law, uh, shoemaker, carpenter, plumber. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you work for minimum wage as a greeter at Walmart or if you're sitting at the you know, wall corporate headquarters as an executive or if you're sitting in the pastoral office as a pastor. It doesn't matter what you do. Everyone's on the same level. Everyone is a child of God. We all have one father. Everyone is a student. Nobody 
is actually an expert. Everybody listens and sits at the feet, the foot of the Messiah. We're all on the same level. So all these actions that the Pharisees like to do, having the place of honor, being called rabbi, making sure that everyone sees how, how good they are and how much they pray, he says those are all just fake things because everyone's at the same level. Everyone's the same in the eyes of God. And then he continues on with this kind of, this is like the tagline at the end. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. There's a way that the kingdom of God works. There's a kind of, um, I don't know what you, what you might call it. There's, I, I, I like to call it the economy of the kingdom of God, where if you try to be better than you are, or if you try to seem better than you are, or if you try to climb the ranks in the kingdom of God, what actually happens is that everything gets reversed. Where it's not the person who has the most power, it's not the person who has the most influence, it's actually the person who serves the most. They're going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So it's all upside down to what we like to do, Right? We like to put powerful people in powerful positions. We like, we like to climb corporate ladders. We like to, to get up into the next uh, a payment bracket, right? We like to be the manager. We like to build our careers that way. But actually, Jesus says the way to do that in the kingdom of God is to serve. It's to serve first, and the honor will come later. And in fact, having honor now, as we read here and in other places in the gospel, having honor now is actually going to be worse for you later because it's going to get taken away from you. Uh, when Jesus' when Jesus's birth was announced, or uh, Mary's pregnancy, I should say, was announced to her that she was going to be giving birth to the Son of God and she was going to name him Jesus, the angel uh, told her all these things and she immediately burst into this song and Mary says, those who have been set in the high place, those who are on the thrones are getting torn down and God has exalted his servant. From the very beginning, this has been the reality of the kingdom of God. Those who have power, including myself as a pastor, are going to get that taken away, and we're going to get torn down, and the people who are the servants are going to be the ones who are exalted. That's how the kingdom of God operates. So that's why he says everybody's on an equal footing, because it's all about service. It's all about humbling yourself, not thinking better of yourself. It's all about serving your neighbor and loving them, and that's what brings you exaltation. That's what brings you honor in the kingdom of God. Um, us Christians are not always good at being servants. Okay? We aren't very good at this as a group. We do lots of good things. We raise lots of money for great organizations and for great um, groups that are doing really good work, right? There are some ways that we serve, but I'm guessing in our daily life, there aren't very many places that we intentionally decide to take the place of the servant. 
And certainly, if we took the place of the servant every opportunity we got, I would suspect that there'd be a lot less people who would say, I love Jesus, I just hate Christians, or I can't stand Christians. Because everything that we've been looking at this summer, all of the horrible things that people accuse and level at Christians is most of the time deserved. Because we can be power hungry, we can be wrapped up in our politics, we can be wrapped up in money, we can be wrapped up in personal, and in, in trying to gain uh, personal wealth and personal uh, influence in our lives. And so many times that hides and that masks Jesus. We seek out the prestige and the prominence of having our people in office or having our people in places of influence. And oftentimes we don't think about serving. And I'm not talking about serving in an abstract. I'm talking about our neighbors, the people who live right next to us. We don't often think about serving our communities in that way. Some of us do. Some of us are, we, you know, there are many people in our church who are retired and have dedicated themselves and their time to service. And those are the people who are going to be exalted. That's kind of what we should be striving for, is serving and loving our community. And it reminds me, I actually saw this today um, on social media. Um, A friend of mine um, shared this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, Ger- a German Lutheran pastor during World War II, and he was, uh, he was pivotal in the resistance against the Nazis. And uh, this is what he said. He said, Christians should live their lives in such a way that it causes non-Christians to question their disbelief of God. I imagine if we were actually serving and seeking out Jesus and seeking out the places where we can serve others, I imagine there'd be less people who said they can't stand Christians. Maybe spending a little bit less time making sure our signs are clever or our signs are judgmental or our signs say things about what we believe. Maybe if we spent a little bit more time serving, people wouldn't be saying those things about Christians. So oftentimes we seek prestige. We seek power. We seek prominence. We seek to be right. And what I think God is calling us to do today is to turn our attention to seeking Jesus. And Jesus is gonna lead us into places that we probably don't want to go. He's gonna lead us to lay down our lives for our neighbors and to follow him into uh, the lives of people that we would rather not interact with. He's gonna lead us to serve those that we disagree with. He's gonna lead us to be humbled and humiliated in our life and that's just gonna have to be something that we live with because that's exactly what Jesus did. He was humiliated on the cross for us. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the word by which God created all things became subject to his own creation, was humiliated in front of his, uh, his, his neighbors, his peers, other Jews, his disciples, he was stripped naked and beat brutally and tortured and hung on a cross. They made false accusations and there were false witnesses and he didn't attempt to change anyone's mind. He just went right into that space of humiliation. He went right into that time of humility and he accepted it because he knew that's how he was gonna save the world. 
So if we seek Jesus instead of prominence, we're gonna be humbled and we have to be okay with that. Knowing that in the new heaven and new earth we will be exalted, that we will be able to uh, partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are going to get to celebrate with joy with those who have gone before us in the faith and we're gonna know an eternity of joy and of partnership with God and of closeness with God. And so we might have to suffer some humiliation now, but it's going to be well worth it later. So my encouragement to you is to find ways that you can serve your neighbors, the actual people who live right around you. Um, it can be somebody in your community, in, in this community, if you live in Sterling or Rock Balls or Dixon, or it can be your actual physical next door neighbor, or it can be your spouse if you're married, right? That's your closest neighbor. Find a way to go out of your way to serve those who are around you because that's where Jesus is and that's where he's leading you. Amen? Amen. You'll find more trouble trying to hide.